It is great to be back on Search the Scriptures today. We appreciate all of our listeners tuning in. We really do appreciate it, and we really do care about you, and we really do pray for you. Now, that's honest. We pray for you diligently and continually. We pray that this program is helping you to come closer to God as you learn His Word more fully. Maybe looking at it in depths and from perspectives that you have not looked at it from or understood before, and in so doing, realizing better what God's will really is for your life. We do care. We really do. This is not just a program that is designed to uh, just fill a work slot for a, for a congregation or to, you know, take care of some budgetary allotment that has been, uh, you know, laid out by the men of the congregation. This is for the purpose of reaching out to you, to help you and others like you. And we do hope that it helps, that it instructs, that it in some cases corrects and certainly guides and directs because we're teaching God's word. And all of those qualities are inherent within his word. And bottom line, we pray that God is being glorified. Good to hear from you. We hope we'll continue to hear from you. And guys, it's good to be with you today. Dwayne Kennedy is with us again. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be on the program today. And I want our audience to know that we have high hopes for you. Far beyond uh, your studying with us, we do appreciate that you are listening again. But we hope that you will take it further. Many of you have already by requesting additional Bible studies and CDs. Some of you have even come over to be a part of our Bible classes and our worship services and you have remained and have numbered yourselves with us. We encourage you to consider that if you have not and we invite you to be with us at the Sunny Slope Congregation, be a part of our Bible classes and the sermons. We believe, in fact, we know that your life will be enriched. It's also good to be with Dennis Stackhouse. Thank you, Duane and Gary. I'm certainly pleased and delighted to be with you both today on the program as always. And really, what a wonderful opportunity this is, not just for the three of us as we get together to study the Bible, but for everyone who listens to the program to come to that greater knowledge and understanding of God's word for them in their lives. And really, we do need to get it down to an individual basis. You know, what God has done through Jesus Christ for our sake is for each and every one of us as an individual. Yes, he died for the sins of the world, for the sins of mankind, but each individual is a part of that world or that mankind that Jesus died for. And we need to understand it from that standpoint. Every individual is important. Absolutely Amen. is. Because every individual represents a soul. That's right. And a soul that Jesus died for. Yes, he did. Yes. It's good to be with you and uh, good to study with you guys. And we began a new line of study in our last program where we began to talk about temptation, but not just temptation generally. What we're really trying to focus on is conquering temptation. Yes. Now, we looked at different passages of Scripture from the book of Hebrews that talked about how Jesus came into this world in human flesh. Mm -hmm. He lived as a human being. Mm -hmm. And in so doing, 
He was like us. He was like us in every respect. Yes. And one of those respects was he was tempted like us. That's correct. Yet he was tempted without succumbing to the temptations. Right. The only one who's done that. Yes. And you could read that if you missed the program uh, in the last time. You could read that from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through, seven, uh, through 18. Now, in being tempted as we are tempted, then we know that he can relate to us because he went through what we go through. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. He understands. He is not an impersonal Lord and Savior. He has been there. That's right. And we could say, realistically, he has been here. Yes. He has gone through it before mm -hmm. we got here mm -hmm. and are going through it. Now, we wanted to look at sin or temptation. And, and we, we noted in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 that the devil uses three primary avenues to bring temptation to individuals. Mm -hmm. One of those is the lust of the flesh. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's common. Mm -hmm. The lust of the eye, mm -hmm. that's common. Yes. The pride of life, mm -hmm. that's common. Yes. Yes. And you know, it might be good to just take a moment, Gary, and try to explain each of those avenues or aspects a little bit so our listeners are clued into what we're speaking about. You know, when we, we speak about the lust of the flesh, we're basically talking about <clears throat> lust for another person, or more accurately, lust for that other person's body. Yes, sexual. Sexual temptation. Yes. Sexual lust. Uh, we talk about the lust of the eye. Well, that could be a myriad of things, you know. Yeah. It might be as big as a house. It might be as small as a ring. Yeah. You know, it could be something as as bright and as dazzling as a brand new Mercedes, or as dull and as dusty as an antique roll-top desk. Things, yes. you know, the lust of the eye. And when we speak about the pride of life, that might be a lust for power, or position, or even control over others. Yes. You know, it might be someone who is seeking a title you know, maybe doctor or admiral or something of that nature, and that's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that until lust comes in and says, you deserve this for what it will mean for you. Yes. That's when it becomes wrong. Pride of life might also include, Dennis, just the desire to appear to be superior over someone else, and that's a common occurrence in people's life. Yes. And um, we've got to learn to control that as followers of Christ. That's a good point. You know, it can also be the inability to humble yourself hmm. in circumstances where you need humility. Yes. yes. You know, how many people have ruined relationships with others because they can't bring themselves to admit that they were wrong? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Or they cannot... They cannot overcome their anger. Mm -hmm. And you know, as we think about these different ways that temptation rears its head in our lives, so to speak, you know, I think as we pointed out on the last program, 
That's why we can say that these three avenues or these three aspects of temptation cover virtually anything that comes to us. Yes, yes. And Jesus was tempted in all points of the three things that we just covered, yes. yet without sin. Yes. Yes, he was. We went into that in a little bit of depth in our last program and talked about how it's hard for us to imagine that Jesus would be tempted to lie mm -hmm. or yes. to be tempted by riches or be tempted sexually. Mm -hmm. And yet he was tempted as we're tempted, mm -hmm. yet he did not succumb to the temptation. Now we began to look at just a thumbnail sketch of the life of Joseph to help us understand that we can, with God's help, overcome temptation, mm -hmm. whatever temptation is thrown at us by the devil. Now we looked in, in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 28, where it talks about how Joseph was hated by his brothers, his own fleshly brothers, and sold into slavery. Right. Now how awful would that be? Pretty bad. No, what a shock. Unimaginable. And, uh, and most historians would say that by this point in time, Joseph was just a teenager. You know, it wasn't just a matter of sibling rivalry or, you know, where one brother or maybe all the other brothers were just upset with Joseph or they, they you know, didn't want to play with him. Or, you know, of course, these were grown men, his other brothers at least, mm -hmm. uh, most of them at least by this mm -hmm. time. But we're talking about they hated him. Yeah. Yes. They sold him into slavery. Right. They we wanted want, to kill him at first. We want him out of here. Yes. And they got him out of there. And they, yes, did. they did. They did. Now, not only that, you might be hoping, of course, from our American perspective, we're always looking for the good guy to come in and save the day and everything be made okay. Peachy keen, you know. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen with Joseph. No. Got worse, if anything. Yeah, yeah. He was bought as a slave by Potiphar. Mm -hmm. And you explained that he was probably a high-ranking and uh, very skilled and probably hardened military soldier, officer. Mm -hmm. Yes. In, in Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's army. Yes. Someone who would think nothing about taking another person's life. Knew how to do it. Knew exactly how to do it. Yes. And we read that in, in Genesis 39 and verse 1. Now, we close the program by reading verse 2 of Genesis 39. And let's start there again. Dwayne, how about reading that for us? The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So the Lord was with Joseph. Mm -hmm. the, that's not a very long sentence or statement. But wow, did that make all the difference. Yes. That's really the key. You know, as we go through the account of Joseph, that one little statement keeps appearing time after time after time. And that, I believe, is why Joseph became a successful man. It's because... Even as a slave. Even as a slave, the Lord was with him. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, they want to believe the Lord is with them mm -hmm. while they're living in sin. Yes. That's, that's self-delusion. <laughs> yes. Joseph was striving to be faithful to God. Mm -hmm. The Lord was with Joseph. Yes. He was trying to live in a godly way. Even in his conditions. And because of that, 
the Lord was with him. Yes. Well, let's, let's look at verses 3 through 6 of Genesis 39. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. That's an amazing description of a fellow who is sold as a slave. It is. Isn't it though? And, and it's all because the Lord was with Joseph. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, Gary, how this third verse actually starts out. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And again, I think it was so evident in the life that Joseph was living that he was really striving to please God in all that he did. Even this hardened Egyptian military official could see it. It seems kind of funny to note that Joseph went from being just a run-of-the-mill slave to slave management, but the idea is that his master put him in charge of everything and did not care for it himself. Trusted it. Didn't have to. Mm -hmm. yeah, Joseph took care of it. Joseph knew Potiphar's affairs better than Potiphar knew yes. his own affairs. <laughs> and, and, you know, did Potiphar, the question might come to us, well, do you think Potiphar really knew about God? I don't know if Potiphar understood God as Joseph understood God, but he certainly understood, undoubtedly, he must have recognized, as you said, Dennis, that Joseph was a godly man, sure. a righteous man, and he certainly understood that his household was prospering under the guidance and care of Joseph. Yes. Exactly. Well, see, God can work things, can't he? Mm -hmm. Even in what look like ne terribly negative circumstances. Now, God was with Joseph. And as the Lord was with Joseph, he turned things around. Now, if we had time, we could go farther and we could talk about how Joseph had another huge setback after Potiphar's wife became enamored with him and tried to seduce him and Joseph refused to give in and then she lied about him, said he tried to, to take advantage of her sexually and Potiphar had him thrown into the prison and there he finds himself again, you know, basically at the bottom of the pit mm -hmm. of life and yet God continues to be with him, doesn't he? Right. And he arises to a point of what we would position of what we would probably compare to a trusteeship mm -hmm. among the, the, the other prisoners. And then eventually God opens the door for him to interpret some dreams by Pharaoh. And now he becomes second in command in the land of Egypt. Right. Even though he was sold as a slave by his own brothers. And going back to that idea, Gary, while he was in Potiphar's house, Verse 4 in Genesis 39 is meaningful. It says, So Joseph found favor in his sight, 
meaning Potiphar's sight. And, you know, there's nothing we read in Scripture where Joseph is asking favors of Potiphar, and yet we're told that he found favor in this man's sight. And this kind of leads me back to what we're told about uh, Noah in Genesis chapter 6. You know, we're told that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And why was that? Well, again, he was trying to walk in a way that pleased God. Yes. In spite of the world being sold into sin. Yes. And we understand when you go back to the account of Noah there, that God, it it said it, it repented God that he had made man because man had fallen into such depths of depravity mm-hmm. through sin. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Noah found favor. And that, that's a good thing to remember too, Gary, is at a time like that, when there was so much evil, when there was so much unrighteousness, Noah still was walking with God. Amazing. So when we say we can't do it, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the devil talking and just moving our lips, right? Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I don't mean he's overcome us. I'm just saying we have given in to the temptation at that right. point. Everybody's saying, well, everybody's doing it. You know, I, I, I can't be different from everybody. Yes, we can. We can. Think about Noah now and yeah. his, his family. We're talking about eight people out of the world's population. Exactly. You think they were not tempted to sin? Sure. <laughs> you think they didn't have the the feeling of compulsion to go along with the crowd mm-hmm. over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. How much must they have been ridiculed during those hundred years or so that they spent building the ark? Especially mm-hmm. under ridicule and shame. Yes. yes. The temptation must have been great. Oh, and yes. don't you think Joseph at times was, was confronted with the temptation to turn his back on God? He let me be here? What is this about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, one thing that comes to mind here, Gary and Duane, is I hear people say, well, why do you teach or preach from the Old Testament? I mean, that's old stuff. You know, that's gone. It doesn't apply to us. We're living in the 21st century. Why would we spend time looking at accounts and incidents that occurred way back then that have no bearing on our lives? We're told why, though, aren't we? We're told why in more than one place in the New Testament. Yes. Dwayne, how about turning for us to Romans chapter 15? Romans chapter 15, and let's read verse 4 and find out why we still need to study those old stories Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So they're there for our instruction. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, if you turn over there, Dennis, what does that say? Actually, verse 6 and verse 11, I was, uh, yeah, thinking along the same line. Right, right. Uh, Paul writing said, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And, of course, he was talking about the situation with the Israelites in the wilderness. Old Testament stuff. And then verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, 
upon whom the ends of the ages have come. For our learning, for, for our instruction, for exactly. our discipline. That's right. So we, and, and, and through reading those examples, we can be encouraged that we can overcome. Oh, absolutely. The temptation that the devil throws at us. Mm -hmm. Now, Potiphar recognized Joseph's faith as, as Joseph labored in his household, mm -hmm. and we should expect this from Joseph and from any Christian today. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, and see what lesson is there for us today. Got that, Dwayne? Just a second. Okay. Okay. Will goodwill, with goodwill doing service as the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Now, and again, that, that points even to the horrible prospect of being a slave. And he says, yet do your work as to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Serve the Lord first and foremost. Yes. In whatever circumstance you find yourself, serve the Lord. That's what Joseph did. And a great example for us. Yes. And he overcame. Mm -hmm. He overcame with mm -hmm. God's help. God was there. God blessed him. What does Colossians 3 and verse 23 say? And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to man. Now again, we might not be really happy with the job we find ourselves in. Yet we can still do that job in such a way as to demonstrate our dedication to God. We're going to do a good good work. We're going to be responsible in our work. We're going to be respectful to our employer, to our supervisor. We're going to be a good Christian example in that, in that work. Indeed. And whatever situation we find ourselves in as, well, as, as, as I shouldn't say repulsive, but I mean as uh, uh, unattractive as it might be mm -hmm. to us mm -hmm. emotionally. Mm-hmm. Recognize that it's a job, mm -hmm. and that's a good thing, and the good things are from God. Yes. And serve God well in that job, mm -hmm. and wait for the blessings. Continue to pray that God will bless you in a better way, mm -hmm. and wait for those blessings to come. Joseph did that. Yes, he did. Basically. Noah found himself in perhaps as untenable a position as anyone could imagine. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's difficult for me to imagine what, he was, what, what things were like for him and his family during those hundred years. And yet, God made the way. Mm -hmm. Noah served God. He walked with God. He found favor in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. And God worked it out for him mm -hmm. and his family. God can work it out for you my friend, no matter what you might be facing in your life right now, God can work it out for you. But bottom line, you have to be serving God and you have to be living that godly life. Why don't you contact us? 
and ask for that free Bible study, and we'll send it to you. You can begin to learn how you can live your life for God. And because of that, because, God, because of God's grace, you can expect the richest blessings from God. Now, I'm not talking about materially. I'm talking about eternally, and that is a home in heaven. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Look to God to work it out with you and for you. We hope to hear from you today.